You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? Chip, I'm doing well, but I don't think I'm doing as well as you're about to be doing because uh, somebody this week is going on their honeymoon to Mexico. Hmm? How are um, you doing? You ready for that? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thankful that uh, Cancun is not at level four with this Omicron. Um, so fingers crossed, knock on wood, that um, that everything will will go uh, according to plan and not not have any unsuspecting uh, surprises. Let's yeah, put it that way. You. You'll have fun though. I bet you'll you'll enjoy. I've been to the resort that you're going to. It's awesome. So you'll have fun. Well, um, we're going down for Hootie Fest. Hootie and the Blowfish, Bare Naked Ladies, Spin Doctors. It's a 90s music um, fest. So uh, excited. We'll see how it goes, but uh, I'll have a full report um, next week. Yes, can't wait to hear about it. Upon the return. But Taylor, um, we are uh, recording right here at the end of January on on Tuesday, and uh, football workouts are in full swing, and um, I'm told that the second workout after everyone enrolled in class and started class on uh, on the 18th was close to three hours long. It was the hardest workout um, a bunch of players could remember. And it seems like we always have that workout that we talk about. And then um, and then the following day was like the coldest day because they're they're doing these workouts in DKR. And so the third workout, upon their return was in 30 degree weather. And so, Hey, 6 30 AM it's let's go. And Texas football has been, you know, putting out little video snippets of, of the workouts guys, you know, pulling sleds with weights on them and, and all that kind of stuff. But the good news is everyone who's supposed to be reporting is, is on, on campus. So, um, and you know, all eyes on Quinn Ewers, you know, we've talked about the early enrollees. Now you've got Bama tight end, Jaleel Billingsley and Wyoming transfer receiver, Isaiah Nair, um, as a part of these mid-year enrollees. Right. Yeah. And they're, I mean, I think it's a huge deal that they got, um, both I, you know, Billingsley and Isaiah Nair in, um, in time for spring, because, um, one of the things, Chip, you know, you go back to, you know, last, uh, winter and last off season and last spring for Texas, they didn't have some of their transfer players in, they came in after the semester was over with. So they didn't really have the chance to really build the rapport with the team before even spring football, before, you know, summer workouts, the, um, 
you know, seven on seven and stuff that they do during the summer and fall camp. So I think that this is big, but it's a, it's a good sign too, because there's no denying that there is a lack of depth, both at, you know, tight end and wide receiver right now. I mean, there's some, you know, up and comers at tight end position, you know, some of the guys that they signed last year, however, they're still really raw and they're really green. And so having, you know, the addition of two experienced veteran type of players at positions of need were huge. And I really think the Isaiah Nair one's a really big one too, because as you've reported, you know, Troy O'Meary has not been cleared yet to go through spring uh, or through offseason conditioning yet. So that's another person out receiver that Texas is missing right now. So um, getting both of them, I think is, is was crucial. And I think that's a, that's an early win for Steve Sarkeesian and the staff. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the Isaiah Nayer news, him signing and, and enrolling uh, is new since our, our podcast last week. And, and it's big time. I mean, and I think it, it, it's big time on a couple of levels. It's, it's big time in that he's a six foot three long armed receiver who can go up and make contested catches. That's the thing that stood out to me the most on his film. You know, he was a two-star recruit out of Arlington Lamar who goes to Wyoming and um, doesn't, you know, get much of an opportunity, the COVID season, only five games, all that. And then he explodes uh, this past season with, you know, over 800 yards receiving, 12 touchdown catches. And the thing that stands out is his ability to, you know, to fight off uh, defensive backs make contested catches, make tough catches, which is just something that's been lacking uh, at Texas. I mean, it, it's it's pathetic, honestly. And you know, there were some big time contested catches that needed to be made. I'm I'm thinking of the Baylor game, you know, mm-hmm. right there at the end where you know, Casey Thompson, you know, throws it to Marcus Washington. It's a it's a 50 50 ball, and and Texas doesn't come down with it, and those are the kind of catches that Texas absolutely has to make. I mean, they've got the burner in in Xavier Worthy, but they've got to have a guy that if it's close, the quarterback can throw it and have confidence that his guy's going to come down with it. And I think that that Nayer gives them a chance for that. And so, um, and the second level that I think it's big time, Taylor, is Brennan Marion, you know, the new mm-hmm. receivers coach staying on this recruitment even though Isaiah Nair was committed to Tennessee and, and Brennan Marion, you know, helping to, to swing that uh, commitment right before, um, you know, the mid-year enrolling period. So uh, that's big time. And I think you, what's ironic is that Nair is kind of the blue collar guy that Andre Coleman, you know, probably would have, would have liked, but uh, he's proven himself now at the college level. So he's a he's obviously a much higher, um, you know, a, a bigger target, a, a bigger prospect in the transfer portal uh, than when he came out of Arlington Lamar. But yeah. uh, that that's a nice piece of work from Brendan Marion. Yeah, early too. I mean, Brendan Marion, you know, didn't join the staff. He wasn't announced until the end of December. So he's been on the job for less than a month and. That's that's a crucial addition that he was able to add. And, you know, Chip and I were talking about this before we started recording when we're talking about the receivers who, 
you can trust to make those contested catches, those 50-50 balls. Texas really hasn't had that since Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and Devin DuVernay. I mean, the three of them were, you know, I know that some people may think that, um, you know, Colin Johnson may not have panned out as well as people expected or whatever they may say. However, he was one of those guys, same with Lil Jordan Humphrey, same with Devin DuVernay, who I know that Sam Ellinger trusted when he threw the ball to them. He knew that he, they were going to come down with it more times than they weren't. And, you know, Texas has lacked that. I think a lot of people expected that out of Brennan Eagles, um, you know, before he left for the NFL. But his that's a guy that never really panned out a receiver, too. So there's no denying that Texas needs those type of players. Um, I, I think that te the Texas offense, it'll be interesting to see under Steve Sarkeesian, you know, because we're talking about that under a totally different offensive scheme um, by Tom Herman when we're talking about the Colin Johnsons and Lil Jordan Humphreys and Devin DuVernay's. But you know, it doesn't hurt to have big guys at receiver as well. You need speed, obviously, in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. That's what he looks for. But having guys that are um, reliable and can, you know, fight off a defensive back for a ball is something that's been lacking for Texas in the last, I'd say, probably two years. And um, this is big. And then if this is any indication of what Brendan Marion can do as a recruiter at Texas, look out. Because this is, you know, Chip, I mean, this is something that, the type of addition that Xavier Worthy in a, in a sense was, you know, to Steve Sarkeesian last year. And so um, him being able to get on the job that quickly and get in the mix there, uh, I think is a good sign for the receiving receiver recruiting moving forward. And the receiver recruiting, you know, under Andre Coleman was one of the biggest problems I think that Texas has faced on the offense side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the fact that they, they had receivers committed who they ended up losing, um, Evan Stewart, Armani Wingfield, um, you know, and look there, that may be, um, blessing in disguise. You have no idea, but the bottom line is, and they obviously have Brendan Thompson coming in, uh, who's a speedster, but he's not an early enrollee. And so, you know, there's excitement that maybe another freshman like Brendan Thompson could have a breakout season like Xavier Worthy did. Um, as a as a true freshman this past year, freshman All-American, broke all the records at Texas, amazing. Uh, but you had to bring in talent at the receiver position in the portal. You knew you had to do that. And I think Isaiah Nayer is a, a really good uh, place to start here. And look, I think this coaching staff is going to uh, keep a scholarship or two in their pocket for – post spring decisions. And, and so we'll see what else they can add uh, because honestly, they need to add more at the receiver position, because right now, if you drew up your, you know, your depth chart, your way too early depth chart, you'd have Xavier worthy, Jordan Whittington, and probably Isaiah Nair mm -hmm. as your top three receivers, because even though Marcus Washington's still on the on the roster, um, or Brennan Thompson, you know we just haven't seen it from Marcus Washington yet. So it's been so up and down. So this was a really big pickup um, for Texas, and um, I think again I, that long um, six foot three but long armed, and that's that just uh, you know expands the wingspan the catch radius for a receiver. And I just like this kid's um, chip on his shoulder, like his drive, like 
the fact that he's coming home to Texas to play and, and there's big, big time opportunity for him. Yeah. And I mean, I always love the stories of the, the former two stars that come out and, you know, obviously my white Wyoming, Wyoming is a little bit of a different, you know, um, caliber of program and the you know competition that he faced last season there, but still, you know, as you mentioned, 12 touchdown receptions, that uh, you can't blow that off at all. And so I love the underdog. I love the the diamond and the roughs that actually pan out. I think, you know, Texas fans got used to seeing that at Baylor when Art Bryles was the head coach. It seemed like they always had these skill players, these receivers, especially that were the diamonds in the rough. And then all of a sudden they are all Americans and, um, you know, being coached up that way. So, yeah, I, I really I think this is a huge get for Texas and especially, you know, to flip the commitment from Tennessee um, and then get him to sign and get him on campus. I mean, that in itself was huge. Um, you know, when we look at what Texas could potentially also do in the transfer portal chip, I'm kind of curious for your take on this, because I still, while I definitely think Texas still is in need of some depth at receiver, you know, the, the offensive line depth still remains a, a question, I think, and adding, if, if there are offensive linemen that can be instant impact type of guys in the portal, I almost think that Texas has to go after them, um, even if it's after spring ball. Because, I mean, the reality is Texas signed a really elite offensive line and defensive line class, obviously, in the 2022 early signing period. And they're still in the mix, you know, with Devin Campbell, the five star um, who's, you know, expected to sign or make his commitment and sign uh, the second signing period in February. But, you know, they're still relying on true freshmen. You know, I mean, they that's great to bring those guys in, but you don't necessarily want to have to rely on the true freshman offensive linemen if you can avoid it. And uh, so that's something I think Texas still needs to probably scour the transfer portal for offensive line um, additions that can make an instant impact. But I don't know. I mean, what if you were if you were Steve Sarkeesian, you're looking at this, what would you put ahead of the other receiver, O-line, or even maybe safety? What, what would be your... Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. yeah. Safety, um, linebacker. Uh, mm -hmm. but I would, I would say O-line, you know, if you could bring in one veteran offensive lineman, preferably with, um, you know, two years of eligibility, but even if it's just one, uh, if you know that this guy's a stud, like when Tom Herman brought in, um, you know, Calvin Anderson, uh, Parker yeah, Calvin Braun. Anderson and Parker Braun, mm -hmm. and those guys were plug-in starters. That's what you need. I mean, that's that's what you need because uh, Texas has to upgrade its tackle positions. You know, I think they're okay at center with Jake Majors. I think they're okay with Junior Angelau at guard, but they have to upgrade the the tackle positions and. And so, you know, Christian Jones, um, Andre Carrick, those guys need to be in an intense position battle with someone other than Kelvin Banks come June. Yeah. Uh, because you you got to have depth. You've got to have depth at those positions. And you just don't – you're right. I mean, Sarkeesian talked about having been on a team where they had three – freshman offensive lineman um you can get away with that at at a place like usc or alabama um when you're recruiting you know five stars and think about this 
the Brockermeyers were on scout team this year at Alabama. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, Tommy's the highest ranked offensive line recruit in 2020. He's on scout team against Will Anderson. Yeah. And and James Brockermeyer, um, you know, who's probably going to be their next big thing at center scout team. So that's that tells you where Texas is and where they have to go. Yeah. And so I agree with you. I think I think they need a veteran offensive lineman. If I had to put that first on my my portal priorities, uh, veteran offensive lineman, and um, you know, a veteran safety. I mean, yeah, I'd like to have some more experience back there. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And in the you know the one thing with receiver and a lot of skill positions can be this way. You can oftentimes see the field a lot earlier. Um, however, when it comes to like offense alignment, quarterbacks too, if you uh, missed our interview edition of the flagship podcast on Monday uh, with former Westlake um, head coach and former Texas quarterback, Todd Dodge, you know, he talked about, you know, it's not in the best interest for your program if you're relying on a true freshman quarterback. And I do think that if you're relying on multiple true freshman offensive line, that's probably also not in the best interest of the future of your program as well. So yeah, I think that um, I definitely, I agree with you on safety. I mean, that that's a position of need. It was a position of need last year. I mean, the safeties were play at safety, not to bash on BJ Foster or Brendan Schooler, but it was mediocre at best at times. And bad the other times, you know, and Texas really needs to, they, they obviously have some guys there. There's Jaron Thompson returning. Um, you know, there's, there's options, but I do think that adding, you know, some more help in the back end of the defense does not hurt Texas in the slightest either. Yeah. And quarterback, you yeah. know, we've mm -hmm. talked about how Steve Sarkeesian's initial plan was to bring in, um, an experienced, a young quarterback, Quinn yours and an experienced quarterback um, who I think was Miles Brennan and Miles Brennan decided to stay at LSU. And, and so, you know, Todd Dodge saying you don't want to have a first year player starting at quarterback. Um, Quinn yours is a first year player. I mean, he's a yeah. first year player in this offense and, and it's a, we've talked about this, this offense is a lot. There's, all kinds of motions, protection stuff that other offenses don't have because they don't, you know, use all that deception to try to figure out what the defense is doing. Steve Sarkeesian uses it all and likes to have it all, wants his players to be able to consume it all. Um, he's not a guy who's like, we want to be simple. No, that's no. that's not him. He wants it to be NFL, um, you know, an NFL offense. And so that I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think everyone assumes Quinn Ewers is going to roll in here, pick up the offense super fast and throw footballs like Trevor Lawrence. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a unicorn. I think Bryce Young is a unicorn. We'll see. We'll see. Listen, right. I, I think it would be amazing uh, because we talk about it all the time. Vince Young, he's the highest rated quarterback since Vince Young. Vince Young redshirted. And had some struggles in 2003 before it all clicked and he took off like a rocket uh, in 2004 and 2005. So it's it's just something to keep in the back of your mind because, I mean, Texas is at 27 
uh, in this 2022 class. That's getting right up to the to the brim, and and so now it's you still have Oshawn Mathis out there, mm-hmm. you know, a proven pass rusher who's in the portal, um, who has a lot of respect for Gary Patterson and is seen as a guy Texas could land. So this is this is going to be uh, really interesting to see how these coaches, you know, they'll fight for their guy. And if the scholarship numbers are, are you know, getting down to the nubs, which they are, it'll be interesting to see who wins the battle to land what's left of, of the space in this uh, in this 2022 class for a portal edition. Yeah, for sure. And you you bring up, you know, mentioning quarterback. Another thing that Chip reported um, in the brew on, I think it was on Monday that you reported it, is a true freshman early enrollee quarterback Malik Murphy is currently in a walking boot from an injury um, that he suffered in the state championship win, um, you know, before he made it over to Texas. So that's another guy right now. I mean, Chip, what's the latest that you're hearing on his return? Yeah. So Malik Murphy, um, you know, suffered that ankle injury in the fourth quarter of the, the, you know, California, uh, state title game that he helped his team win. And, and I'm told it's still, you know, he's still a week or two away from being able to, um, you know, really get into these workouts. So that's, uh, you know, he, he can still be in meetings. He can still do everything he needs to do to, to learn the offense right now. Uh, but, you know, his conditioning will, will be a little bit further behind some of the others heading into spring football because he's still getting over uh, that ankle injury that he suffered last month in the, in the state championship game. But, um, you know, it's, 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 Hudson Card is the veteran quarterback. To me, he's right. the starter. He's the guy until someone else beats him out. And and so I think um you know to and and I I agree, Taylor. I think everyone should listen to the Todd Dodge interview because uh he's very open and candid and remember his son Riley Dodge is the one who coached Quinn Ewers at South Lake Carroll. Um you know, when Westlake and Southlake Carroll went at it for the 2020 state championship, which turned out to be Quinn Ewer's last start as a quarterback. Um, now, you know, it'll be two years uh, when he takes the field this fall. But um, that, you know, he talks about how you don't want a first-year quarterback to, to be your starter. Steve Sarkeesian doesn't like that either. But it may be where we are or... Hudson card takes, you know, a big step and, and maybe starts off the season as the starting quarterback. Kind of like what I said last year, I would have started Casey Thompson just to let him go to Arkansas and face that because he's been, you know, he started a game on the road away from home, whatever in the Alamo or not even start that game. He started the second half of that game. Right. Yeah. I would, I'm going to say it right now. I, I would expect Hudson card. Uh, to be the starter, especially with Alabama, UTSA sitting there uh, in weeks two and three, unless Quinn Ewers is just tearing it up in camp and has full command 
of the offense and has great rapport with these receivers already, um, which is possible, but it is, yeah. you just don't want to make that the expectation because if he's struggling to pick up the offense or all the things that go with it, the last thing you want to do is rush him out there and, and then have him go through failure and, yeah. and see if he can handle that. Cause we know this is a, it's a microscope here. Yeah. And Todd Dodge talked about it. it's, it's, you know, he knows what it's like to be booed by 80,000 people, he said. And, um, pre-game. you know, pregame. Yeah. And this, that's a different, you know, that it's a different beast, especially if you're the starting quarterback. I mean, every coach says this and everyone probably hears it and is like, that's just coach speak, but it's very true. You know, quarterbacks get way more credit a lot of times than they deserve. And they get way more criticism a lot of times than they deserve. Sometimes they do. I mean, even look at, you know, the NFL, um, playoffs this past weekend, the slate, you know, except for the, uh, you know, the last game between Josh Allen and um, Patrick Mahomes, the other quarterback ratings were not great, but everyone's talking about Joe Burrow. Everyone's talking about, you know, the guys that won and it's like his QBR was not really good, but still, I mean, that's a very good sign. You know, a lot of times quarterbacks get way more credit and they also get way more criticism. So in a, a place like Texas where, <clears throat> you know, I mean, Sam Ellinger has been the most consistent um, quarterback and brought the most consistent QB play to the table since Colt McCoy. Um, I don't really think a lot of Texas fans expected that to be the case. I mean, you know, Sam was, it took him a while to get that Texas offer. He had to camp at Texas quite a few times before he did get offered by Texas. And once he did, obviously that was the end. Everyone knew he wasn't going to go anywhere else. I think a lot of coaches really stopped recruiting him because they knew that he wanted to be the quarterback at Texas. So, but I don't think a lot of people expected him to turn into what he ended up turning into. So and um, he you know, struggled as a first-year quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's another side. I mean, twenty. you go back to the 2017 season, you know, you think about how good the defense played in a lot of those games, um, but then you look at, like, the Oklahoma State game, for instance, that went to overtime, and what was the final score, like 13-10 to 10 or something, because, and it ended with Sam Ellinger, you know, uh, struggling there, and USC. Getting intercepted when he could have yeah, kicked yeah, and that USC, same thing, you know, uh, that 2017 season. So, and even though, you know, I, I thought one thing, Chip, that Todd Dodge mentioned, and, you know, we've kind of talked about this, and I think it's something that Texas fans, you know, hearing it from a coach is probably better than hearing it from you and me. You know what I mean? Like, right. but him talking about not only not needing to rely or not, you know, it's not ideal or in the best interest of the program to rely on a true freshman. He also considers Quinn Ewers still a true freshman quarterback. He doesn't consider him a redshirt freshman because he, you know, technically would have been a true freshman early enrollee in the 2022 recruiting class had he not reclassified. And, you know, he didn't go through the full off season at Ohio state. He, you know, enrolled there in August. So really his experience at the college level is very minimum still. I mean, four months basically is what, he uh, knows about the college, you know, game. So um, it wouldn't hurt Texas in any way if Hudson Card, you know, is the guy to start the season, as you mentioned. And, you know, having to play Alabama, having to play UTSA. I mean, gosh, you have to think back. Whoever scheduled that game back in the day was probably like, oh, that's an easy win. And now look at UTSA. But, you know, um, I think that it doesn't hurt Texas in any way if Hudson Card is the starter at the beginning of the season. And, I, and again, Going back to what Todd Dodge said too, you know, it's if if we consider Quinn Ewers a true freshman, why do you want to possibly make him, you know, turn into a shell of himself of what his talent? Because when you listen to that interview, he compares 
Quinn Ewers throwing and, and uh, everything about him he compares to Aaron Rodgers. That's a pretty good comparison. And you probably don't want to, you know, risk the chance of hurting, you know, his confidence or anything um, if, if he goes into the games too early, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be fascinating because um, while you have this excitement over Quinn Ewers in the in the early, you know, talking to team sources, he's really been laid back and cool, not, you know, coming in, trying to take charge of everything. Um, you know, any presupposition that he would be cocky coming into Texas, that has not been the case from what I'm hearing. He's been, you know, all work, head down, um, you know, listening and, and getting to know his teammates before trying to, um, you know, take over as a leader. Although when he talks, people listen because he's the quarterback. And yeah. uh, so it's going to be fascinating. Steve Sarkeesian, uh, the quarterback guru, he's developed some good ones. I think everyone's excited to see what he can do with Qu Quinn Ewers. But year one, you got to expect some turbulence. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, Quinn Ewers may come in and light the world on fire and you and I will both be like, he should have started. I mean, it's just the unknown right now. I think that, um, the hype always, a lot of times I feel like takes over what the unknown is when it comes to getting these type of elite type of players. Um, and so, you know, there's obviously a lot of hype behind him. And I liked what you wrote in the brew this week, you know, talking about through sources about his demeanor with the team and everything. Cause they're, you know, I feel like in watching the recruitment of Quinn Ewers, once he enter, entered the transfer portal, it was almost like a lot of people were painting him into this picture of being like a diva of some sort or, you know, just is all about the money. And you never heard Quinn Ewers talking about it, though. You never heard that coming from his side of the spectrum. I think that people just, you know, they looked at him because he was such an elite recruit, had such a unique first year at the college level by reclassifying and, you know, enrolling at Ohio State, you know, reports of him making a million dollars in NIL money um, at Ohio State in just the four months that he was there. I mean, I feel like a lot of that it's probably the outside perspective of him more so than what we're hearing, you know, from internally. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. You want to have a quarterback that obviously when they open their mouth, the team listens, but you don't want it to be an unproven showboat type of guy that comes in and, you know, cocky and thinking that, you know, the, that his, you know, what doesn't stink. Like that's, that's, I feel like not what Quinn Ewers is, but he was almost being painted into that light by external people. So I think it's really good to hear that that, is not the case, you know, at least early in these uh, winter workouts. Yeah. Yeah. First impressions are big. And I think he's making a, a good first impression on his teammates. Cause like you said, there's a lot of noise around Quinn Ewers and his teammates hear it too. You know, yeah. they, they need to see what he's all about. And, and so far, you know, it sounds like he's handled himself, um, really well and and it's been easy for teammates to to digest him into the fold so um obviously uh taylor you know the uh the excitement um for for winter workouts guys running you know is <laughs> is off the charts um texas basketball i know some some texas fans are 
you know, they don't know what to do with this team. And I would just say that, you know, Texas hasn't uh, played Baylor or Kansas yet. They're going to play Tennessee this weekend against Rick Barnes, you know, UT's um, Final Four coach. And, and that's going to be wild because it's in the Irwin Center. And Tennessee is a ranked opponent. And, um, you know, according to the uh, NCAA uh, net rankings, which replaced the, the RPI as, as a evaluation tool for the NCAA tournament committee, uh, Tennessee is number 11. So uh, this is a great opportunity for Texas to get that marquee win that they don't have on the schedule yet. And then next week you're at Texas tech uh, for that whole, whatever that's going to be um, a very warm welcome. I bet for Chris oh, Beard, right? Like I'm nervous. I'm going to love it. And I'm nervous. Don't get your foot uh, run over again. Like you did. Oh that my one gosh. <laughs> look tech fans, man, they are in your face. They are in your face. So it um, and they've got a great atmosphere there that Chris Beard helped build. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but it's going to be a monster February for Texas basketball. They're going to play Baylor twice. They're going to play Tech twice. They'll play Kansas for the first time. Um, and so this is uh, this is going to be um, where you want your team to start peaking where they need to start looking like a March, um, you know, factor, a team that can do something in the postseason. that's going to happen over the next 30 days. So um, I, I think people are frustrated, you know, and I get it They're They shouldn't have lost to K state at home. They were up five with three minutes left and got outscored six, nothing over the final three thirty-two and lost the game. That's, that's a tough one but this team can still get better, needs to get better, and should, you would think, rise to the occasion against those teams that um, you know are considered better than them. So I think it's gonna be a really crucial uh, 10 days here for, for this Texas basketball team to make sure that arrow starts going up and stays up. Yeah, and I, I liked what Chris Beard said after the Oklahoma State game, you know, he said, everyone can rustle it up after a loss. Only champions get better after a win. And that's what you want to see from Texas right now. You want to see them getting better from these wins and not, you know, having the high moments only to fall off the cliff, you know, the next game. Um, and, you know, that that's, you know, it's kind of what, what we say about football too. You know, the sign of a good team is week to week improvement. And in basketball, you know, I think the sign of a good team is game to game improvement, not necessarily week to week because they play multiple games a week. But I think that's what people are wanting to see from Texas right now. And now it's time to answer because this is a crucial time and it, they need to keep this, you know, they need to find some consistency and keep the a rhythm going for them as they make it, you know, through February chip, because you're right. I mean, they, they literally end the season with uh Baylor who was it Baylor first and then Kansas I believe um yeah their final yeah. game of the season is at Kansas yeah at Kansas and that comes you know a few days after they have to play Baylor just to end the regular season and right now the Big 12 is probably one of the stronger conferences I think in college basketball I mean from top to bottom it's you know it's it 
it's hard to take games off, I'd say. And not not with every team, but still, I do think that, you know, this is a, a conference right now that is playing at a really high and elite level. And you don't want to be the the ones, you know, tapping the brakes <laughs> when the other ones are hitting the gas here. And so I think that this is it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to watch and to play out. But that Texas Tech game, my goodness, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of you that you're going to that because I would love to see what that is like in person. It's going to be madness, I've ima- I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's interesting because uh, Mark Adams, who, of course, was uh, an assistant to Beard at Tech and then was promoted uh, to head coach, brought in five transfers of his own, um, and including Bryson Williams, who – played for Rodney Terry, the Texas assistant coach, who was the head coach at UTEP, played at UTEP mm-hmm. last year. He's now Tech's leading scorer. There are a lot of storylines to this one that fly under the radar a little bit, but um, you know Tech is going to be out of its mind, uh, pumped for that game with the energy that the students are going to give them. And let's see how Texas handles that atmosphere. Yeah. Because they've, They've got to be tough on the road. You've got to, you've, you've got to steal some some games on the road to have a chance to win the Big Twelve regular season championship. Put yourself in position for a high seating in the Big Twelve tournament, and get the NCA committee to to give you a higher seed. Right now, Texas is seen as a six or even a seven seed, and they got to improve that resume. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be fun to watch for sure, Chip and. Um, you know, a, a little teaser for next week, we will have Jarrett Johnson from inside the red Raiders.com, um, you know, part of the 24 seven sports network. He will be joining us to preview somewhat, you know, this game between Texas and Texas tech that will drop on Monday, uh, the day before that game, uh, tips off. So definitely keep uh, an eye for that. Cause he has a very good breakdown and a good feel of where this Texas tech team is you know, entering this game and, and how the fan base is feeling about this game. So it's a, it's definitely going to be a, a schedule, you know, mark your calendar, schedule listening type of interview um, this coming Monday with Jarrett Johnson from inside the red Raiders.com. Yeah. And real quickly on Tennessee, um, they're the only team that's beaten Arizona. Arizona's the number three team in the country. Tennessee's the only team that's beat them. So you know, Tech beat Tennessee earlier in the year in a really weird game at Madison Square Garden, 57-52. Neither team could get into anything offensively, but Tech just, you know, grounded out and um, just played tough. And so this will be a, a great little barometer of where of where Texas is when they take on Tennessee uh, heading into that, that Texas Tech game on Tuesday of next week. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around. We will talk more about Texas football and some Longhorns in the NFL here um, that are still in the mix for playing for a Super Bowl. So stay tuned. We will be right back. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before we get to love it or leave it, I want to make a mention. If you listen to the flagship podcast on Spotify, Spotify actually just recently put out a rate a rating system to uh, rate your favorite podcast. So if you're a Spotify uh, you know, listener on the flagship podcast, feel free to go over, give us a five-star rating. Um, our bosses would really like that, and it would really help us to continue to uh, grow and expand this show, Chip. So with that Absolutely. said, yeah, you ready for some Love It or Leave It? Let's do it. All righty. My first one is Love It or Leave It, signing Wyoming transfer wide receiver Isaiah Nayer will end up being as important as Texas getting Xavier Worthy to flip from Michigan last year. Oh, well, now that we know what what uh, Xavier Worthy did, um, I'm going to leave this just because you know, I don't want anyone thinking that that uh, Isaiah Nayer can come in and do what what Xavier Worthy did. I think Xavier Worthy is a special special talent, um, but uh, it's hugely important because um, let's let's be honest. I mean, you've got to have uh, you can't let defenses just double Xavier Worthy all all game long, and mm-hmm. and then you're you know having to rely on Jordan Whittington and Brennan Thompson. I mean, having a a long armed six foot three receiver who who can run, who's uh, able to make those contested catches. I'm going to leave this, but this is huge. I mean, to me, this is. Um, this ended up being a really big, um, you know, recruiting win for Brennan Marion for Steve Sarkeesian, because when Nayer committed to Tennessee, I was like, "Ooh, wow!" With all that opportunity at right. Texas in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, uh, a kid from Texas is going to go to Tennessee, and I think getting Brennan Marion in as the receivers coach, letting him go to work, talk about how. He just coached the, you know, the Bolitnikoff award winner uh, at Pitt. I think it got Isaiah Nair, um, you know, his full attention. And here he is now at Texas. So huge signing uh, for Texas to bring in a, a kid with 12 touchdown catches from the year before. Cause that, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in every program, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, you know, I I don't want to underestimate how 
um, you know, crucial of an addition this is, especially at a position of need um, for some playmakers. I mean, you look back at last season, Chip, I mean, Xavier Worthy obviously led the receivers and then it was Jordan Whittington and Bijan Robinson. Jordan Whittington only played in eight games. Bijan running or Robinson's a running back and he played in 10 games. And yet they were number two and number three in the receiving category at Texas last season. That's that goes to show where the position was, the wide receiver position is. So adding Nair is obviously a big addition. However, in saying that, I agree, I have to leave it because we after I don't think anyone necessarily expected Xavier Worthy to have the type of season that he did. I, I knew it was a huge get for Texas. He he brought the speed that Steve Sarkeesian really looks for at the position. And you knew he was going to be an elite talent, but I don't think a lot of people expected him to be an All-American in year one, you know. And so um, I feel like it wouldn't be fair to Worthy to put Isaiah Nayer in that same category um, at this point. Now he he could still, I mean, he's coming in as you know, with 12 touchdowns on at his last team. And so he could turn into that, but I feel like it would be a little disrespectful to, is it, to Xavier Worthy at this point to say they are, you know, toe to toe there. So while it's a huge, huge addition, I don't want to underestimate that at all. I don't want to overlook that. I also agree. I think I have to leave it just for the sheer fact of what Xavier Worthy did last season. Well, and everyone was also, I'll just throw this in as well. We were all so excited about what Troy O'Meary could bring. Right. And then the knee injury and mm -hmm. the big clunky knee brace. And then the, the aggravation of the knee injury. Look, if for whatever reason, Troy O'Meary can't get back to where he was, that compounds the importance of the Isaiah Nair signing. So, um, you know, I think, I think Texas fans should feel really good about, um, you know, Brandon Mary and Steve Sarkeesian's ability to reel Isaiah Nair in because um, this could end up being a more important signing than we realize right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. All right. All right. Number Ready two. For the next one. Yes, sir. Love it or leave it. TCU edge rusher Oshan Mathis is the most important portal target on defense right now for Texas. Well, Man, Oshan Mathis is getting he's getting a lot of love right now cuz anytime you have a proven pass rusher uh in the portal he's going to you know teams are going to roll out the red carpet and there's no doubt that Texas could use uh Oshan Mathis but I'm going to leave this uh as much as I you know if I'm a Texas fan I'd love to see Oshan Mathis come in uh because Honestly, we just didn't see anyone consistently causing havoc in the backfield uh, for Texas. Um, I, I, I think if I could find a proven safety with Oshawn Mathis's pedigree, I'd probably feel more excited about that. So um, I think he's a really big, important target. And I think they're saving a scholarship for him. And, and I, you know, I think his ties to Gary Patterson give Texas a, a good chance in this one. But I'm going to leave this, Taylor, because I still think Alfred Collins can come on. I still think, you know, you, you just signed, you know, 
Jamon Tapp and and uh, Jare Bledsoe and some guys who I think are going to be able to to start making a difference earlier rather than later. I look at the safety position. Right now you've got Jaron Thompson and J.D. Coffey. And look, Jaron Thompson can continue to grow. I always talk about Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones, the light went on for Brandon Jones as a junior. And then he turned into an NFL player, yeah. you know, and that can happen. Um, but, man, I, maybe I still have PTSD from all those plays that were made or not made by Texas safeties last year. So I'm going to leave this one. Yeah. How about you? I mean, I guess it kind of depends. I mean, right now, you know, if you look, if they're looking in the portal, who is the safety? Cause right. I, I do agree with you that that is probably of for a position to position, you know, need, I would say safeties ahead of adding an additional, ad, additional, excuse me, edge rusher, like, Oshan Mathis. However, I don't know if that safety is in the portal right now. Um, so for that, I think I'm going to have to say, as it currently stands, I'm going to say I have to love it because, um, you know, Oshan Mathis, as you mentioned, he has a relationship with Gary Patterson, thinks highly about him. Texas is in a good position. And there's, while there's absolutely, you know, talent um, on the Texas defensive front and especially at the edge position, it really hasn't clicked for Texas yet. At least it didn't in 2021. And so um, it does not hurt to add the, you know, a proven guy there like an Oshan Mathis. Now, if the, if there was a, you know, a safety in the portal right now that Texas was in the mix for, I would, I would leave this and I would say, yeah, absolutely. I think safety is a, the, where they need to look at right now. But since that really isn't at, you know, time of recording this, that really isn't the case. I think I'm going to have to love it and say for what is available for Texas and who they're in the mix for that this is probably the most important portal target on defense. However, I would not say that if there was a safety out there, because I agree with you. I think safety, uh, I, there, yes, I, I think we both had PTSD from the safety play last year. I mean, you know, I remember coming out of spring, um, we actually did a staff question and I actually, I like to always go back to these types of things chip during the off season, just to see like what we said and what came to fruition and what didn't. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I did say coming out of spring that Blake Gideon had a tough job because the safety position did not look anywhere near like a leader, anywhere near it should look, um, you know, coming out of spring football. And that ended up coming to fruition, you know, during the 2021 season. Um, it was probably worse, I think, than people expected. Uh, but there were some plays in, by safety, even in the spring game, I remember sitting there watching being like, oh my God. God, what are they doing? <laughs> you know, so it was already a uh, question. And so, you know, now losing both of the, you know, two of the starters, or two main contributors in BJ Foster and um, Brendan Schooler, you know, if they can find an upgrade at that position, I would jump at that too. But all that to say, since right now that is not currently on the table, I'm going to have to love it and say that right now, O'Shawn Mathis is the most important portal target on defense for Texas. All right, I'll buy that. How about uh, love it or leave it number three? All right, let's uh, look at some former Longhorns here. Love it or leave it, former Longhorns offensive lineman Trey Hopkins and defensive end Alex Okafor will face each other in the AFC Championship game. My love it or leave it for you, Chip, is you had forgotten that Trey Hopkins was on an NFL roster. You know what? Um, I knew he had signed with the Bengals, but I'll be honest, I had 
you know, it slipped that he was their starting center. Maybe it's those long braids he has now that, you know, hang down to below his shoulders. But Trey Hopkins is, is a great story. And I wrote about this a little bit in the brew because, because of their matchup in the AFC championship game, it guarantees Texas will have uh, a former player in the Super Bowl for a 17th straight year. And it's interesting because Trey Hopkins and Alex Okafer, Alex Okafer, defensive end for the Chiefs, who's already won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs in, in 2019, were teammates for three years at Texas in, mm-hmm. in 10, 11, and 12. And, and then Okafer moved on, and then Trey Hopkins moved on after the 13 season. Well, Okafer was a fourth-round pick, got a nice big you know, 400-something thousand signing bonus. Trey Hopkins was an undrafted free agent, got $15,000 for his signing bonus, and, and then made the roster, made the Bengals roster. They gave him a three-year deal uh, for a million dollars. And so his first season, he makes 300000 And then they cut him so that they can re-sign him to the practice squad, making a third of what he was making. He hung around, hung around, and then got a, another opportunity really in 2018 when they had injuries on the offensive line. He started three different positions that year on the offensive line for the Bengals. And his best position turned out to be center which is he played tackle and guard at Texas. He never played center. And now he, you know, they gave him a big contract, um, a $20 million contract to be their center in 2019. And here he is, Taylor, he and Joe Burrow. Now you don't want to look at that last game because Burrow got sacked nine times, but um, they're moving on. And, and Trey Hopkins is probably going to go up against Alex Okafer in some way, shape or form on a stunt or something. And they've taken very different routes to get here, but great uh, story on, you know, for Trey Hopkins to, to just do whatever it took to stay on that roster. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to love it. Cause I, I forgot that he was um, on an NFL roster right now. And, and, I, I will preface this. I, I really don't pay too close attention to NFL uh, teams. I've never grew up an NFL fan. So the only the only team I ever really liked was the Detroit Lions because I loved Barry Sanders. And so naturally, I'm not going to be a huge diehard NFL fan when um, the Lions is a team that I was supporting as a child. But uh, in saying that, you know, I think you're right. This is an awesome story. I mean, to go from an undrafted free agent to, you know, getting that contract and having basically being cut to be demoted. And then now, you know, you're, you're playing uh, hopefully for a spot in the Super Bowl, um, you know, with the Bengals there, but that's an awesome story. Absolutely. And um, it's fascinating. I I literally, before we started recording, like, you know, full disclosure here, I forgot (laughs) that Jerry Hopkins was still in the NFL. I I honestly didn't even realize that um, he had been in for probably a few years now. So that's how I, but again, I don't pay too close attention to the NFL. So that's a big reason why. However, uh, there's no denying that this is, this is huge. And, you know, um, it's, it's a credit to his perseverance, I think of anything. I mean, talk about somebody who, you know, has their eye on the prize and goes through the adversity that he went through, you know, didn't get drafted coming out of uh, high school or excuse me, out of college, um, 
you know, and then still being on an NFL roster now, what he left in 2013. So what is it? Eight years yeah. after. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's, that's really impressive just to see that story. I love those type of storylines playing out. So kudos to Trey Hopkins. And I apologize for not remembering that you are on the NFL roster right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm working to get him on the flagship podcast. So we'll, we uh, we'll, we'll have something to, to talk about hopefully uh, for his sake. Um, maybe it's during the time leading up to the Super Bowl. But um, Taylor, great stuff today. Great stuff. And um, yeah, everybody make sure you check out the Todd Dodge interview on the flagship podcast. Really interesting conversation about everything from, you know, Quinn Ewers to Sam Ellinger and, you know, Todd Dodge, his recruitment, his time at Texas to becoming uh, one of the legendary uh, Texas high school coaches. And what would it take to bring him out of retirement? Mm. That's uh, in that interview as well. So um, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at horns247.com. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.